Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, uh, we're back. Uh, welcome back to uh, Buffy Virgin. Uh, we are on Season 4, Episode 7, The Initiative. I'm your host, Dennis St. John. We're joined by our regular guests. Why don't you guys say hi? Okay, hi, I'm John. Uh I'm on the, the podcast almost every episode. Hey, I'm Travis. Always and they're virgins. Hey, I'm Michael. I'm a virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season four, episode seven, The Initiative. And then we have special guests this week, Jessica and Quincy from the Sunnydale Fan Fiction Club, uh, where they read and discuss the best in Buffy fan fiction. Hi, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting us, guys. I'm excited. This is a great episode. <laughs> Yeah. Hi, guys. The louder pitch one is Jessica and I'm Quincy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Jay for Jenny. <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome, guys. Uh, so so y'all met Mike through the uh, Buffy uh, podcast panel at WeedonCon. Yes. WeedonCon was so much fun. And that panel was a blast. And it was so, so hard to not give spoilers. I tried so hard and to make sure that the rest of the panel didn't give spoilers. That was like my job. <laughs> All to accommodate Michael. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for helping <laughs> us stay spoiler free. It was a fun challenge, especially because I was sitting right next to him and he was like writing down, I guess, whatever like sounded new. Those <laughs> funny Damn it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I'm going to try really, really hard to be spoiler-free again today. I have to be. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll never invite me back. So. <laughs> Can you right, tell well, us a little bit about your podcast? Because I don't know if everybody's listened to it. Oh, yeah. So we are the Sunnydale Fanfic Club. And what we do is we read Buffy fanfiction that's out there. We invite those authors to come be on the podcast with us. And... Um, we just ask them questions about their story. We ask everything from their writing process to why they made particular plot choices. Um, and then we get our fans involved too. We have a lot of listeners. So we post on our social medias with stories coming up next and our listeners will ask questions and submit questions to us that we ask the authors on the air. So they get a lot of writing advice questions or again, plot point questions. And it's, it's really fun. I love getting the authors and like diving deeper into fan fiction because fan fictions out there are awesome. I don't know if y'all have read any, but you need to. The Buffy stuff out there is great. There's actually a great one about this episode, which is um, <laughs> a Spike and Riley fan fiction. Whoa. Yeah, it's um, it's a thing. It's Spiley. good. Spiley, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we do every couple um, or not couple. Um, we do everything and it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Plus we have um, contests usually every month, but now it's for the whole summer where we give like a theme and a challenge object and um, writers submit like their fan fictions off of that theme. Oh, and it's actually really cool. Cause yeah. like um, the one who won our May, I think competition 
or April, which was like showers and the challenge object was the frozen yogurt machine, like from this episode, the winner, <laughs> the um, story was amazing. And we actually met her at WeedonCon. She came down and was in a different panel with us and it was so cool. Yeah. But yeah, we, we like to get our winners on the podcast with us and record an episode with them. So it's, it's a lot of fun. So if you haven't listened to our podcast and you love fan fiction, definitely check us out. Yeah. Cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, so usually we go into reactions, but uh, next week's or last week's episode hasn't posted yet. So we have none. So we will move on to the summary. The summary. Welcome to the wonderful world of Riley Finn. Who is this affable TA? We know he has two friends, Sleazy Forrest and Milk Guzzling Graham. Let's follow Finn as he grades papers, plays the catch, and discusses the peculiarities of Buffy, until Parker compares Buffy unfavorably to a toilet seat, so Parker gets his fourth KO this semester. The knockout is an epiphany moment for Riles McPhineas, who finds out he likes the Buffy, so he immediately goes according. Who better to help with the wooing than Buffy's best friend, the heartbroken Willow? Willow gives Felonius Finn some sage and well-aged advice. The way to Buffy's heart is through Brie, Chetta, Monterey Jack. Cheese? Meanwhile, Spike finds himself imprisoned in a mysterious but very well-kept-up cage, enlisting the help of another vamp, and then immediately betraying this vamp, Spike escapes and finds out he's on the Sunnydale campus. After a brief rendezvous with his petite mentholated harmony, Spike, much like Rai-Rai Finnegan, only truly has eyes for one girl, Buffy, and begins to hunt her down. There's a party, then a harmony sighting. The cheese talk doesn't go so good up. Cheese? But before Rizza can fizza out, his cheesy pickup lines are interrupted by Xander. Buffy goes a spike hunting. And Riley also goes spike hunting? Holy shit, this entire time, Riley and his boys are part of that crazy SWAT team that's been running around campus, and Buffy's psych professor is the big boss. It all culminates in Buffy and Willow's dorm. As Spike tries to eat Willow but can't quite get the fangs up, Commando Riley and his team of doofs scoop up Spike and try to take Willow. That's when Buffy paraphrases the Matrix, shoots off a flare gun, and whomps Riley and his team. In the end, everyone escapes unrecognized. The next day, Finn the human again tries to take the initiative with more cultured quips on Buffy, who finds him peculiar. Cheese? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> There's a right dialogue that I can't read. <laughs> that was very Gouda. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Alright, let's move on to Great Lines. Great lines. Uh, I put mine first. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> so, uh, this is from Forrest. Buffy, I like that. That girl's so hot. She's Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this one's from Willow. Remember, if you hurt her, I will beat you to death with trouble. A vague disclaimer is nobody's friend. Uh, Jenny, you want to go next? All right. Okay. Gosh, I wasn't prepared for the. Uh... All right. I'll do my best. Spike. Cheese. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be as accurate an accent as uh, James Marsters. Oh, no. Please. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay. I was always worried what would happen if that bitch got some funding. <laughs> I love that line. And then you're right. A human being in pain has nothing to do with your job. That's a good line. Yeah. I did not expect to have to read this. I chose a really long one. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, uh, okay. So this is Xander. Um, okay. It's going to go badly. Well, how about this? We whip out the Ouija board, light a few candles, summon some ancient unstoppable evil, mayhem, mayhem, mayhem. We show up and kick its ass. And then Giles goes, we've been unethical. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, so I chose a line from Riley when he's talking with Willow. And he, he's saying, I was thinking of asking out Buffy. And Will says, she not here. Just this, this kind of broken English. She not here. And she just stares off into the, the distance. Uh, I just like this little uh, uh, exchange between Riley and, and Graham uh, when they're having their dude chat. Uh, and Riley's like, there's definitely something off about her. And Graham just says, maybe she's Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Your Graham voice is part meathead, part Bill and Ted. <laughs> Uh, Mike, you want to finish us off? Uh, sure. Yeah. So this is a Willow Spike conversation, which is fantastic. I'm sure we'll talk about it. You came looking for Buffy, then settled. You don't want to bite me. I just happen to be here. And then Spike, don't be ridiculous. I'd bite you in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> and the the bloodlust, very cool. <laughs> All right. That, that whole scene great. is so much fun. Yeah, that's a great scene. The kill count. Uh, all right. Uh, so the kill count's pretty low this episode. Um, I actually thought there was none, but I looked on the Buffy wiki, and they say that the, the vamp uh, that teams up with Spike gets dusted. Uh, but I am going to call the uh, soft serve machine as fatally wounded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it looks like seven humans got beat up. Um, and... Uh, yeah, Parker's got his fourth KO, uh, so that's the kill count. Uh, so why don't we move on to Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. Um, I say uh, that I think uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's physical comedy has really improved this season. Uh, her whole soft serve shtick is really good. Uh, <laughs> the broken yogurt machine is amazing. I love that scene. And uh, yeah, I also like Graham comes to that table with like three, like things of milk. Like that's a lot of. A lot of dairy. <laughs> There's so much dairy this episode. Oh my god, I did not notice that. That was so funny. <laughs> that makes sense though, but I can't say why that makes sense because spoiler. <laughs> uh, could yeah. Yeah, because, um, like, all the dialogue throughout, like, the Broadway conversations it just seems so weird to me because I feel like that's not how those conversations go in real life. Like, I don't know. I wonder, like, who wrote this episode because it kind of just seems like they're trying to get the Joss, like, dialogue into random college guy's mouth and it doesn't really work out that well. Okay, well, you guys are bros. Is that how you guys talk? <laughs> Uh, at one time, probably, I think we, I, I feel like we were pretty close to this kind of level of, uh, 
no, give us more credit than that. John. This <laughs> is, is like a <laughs> scenario. This is like, you know, somebody writing a scene where, you know, everyone talked like Valley Girls, you know. <laughs> I, I just think the dialogue's delivered typical. poorly. Like the idea yeah. is like they're being broy about a girl who is meanwhile being super klutzy and like they're just being completely obtuse and not connecting the things they're thinking and saying about someone with the reality. And like, they're just, the guy's too sincere in his, uh, the actor is just bad, like in that scene. I think the idea is like kind of fit, like you get what they're going for, but they, yeah, they totally fail. And I, it is weird. Maybe it's the trying to sound like Joss. I, yeah. I, well, I think it's like how rare this show has like three men talking and like bro. <laughs> but it's like how do we write like like normal college guys again? Oh, they say things like mattress above the spa. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, this, the episode's written by Doug Doug Petrie, who goes on to write a ton of episodes. And he, uh, you know, if you look at his picture on the internet, he doesn't quite seem like a bro. So maybe he's just kind of. <laughs> You know, just trying his best here to figure out what like broy people would say. Yeah. Um, or maybe they figure like the best bet is to just make them sound like Buffy and crew, but it's an entirely different group of people. Like they they shouldn't sound the same. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and uh, Riley freaking acting like he didn't notice Buffy and just saying peculiar over and over like, oh, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say anything more than oh Riley 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 because <laughs> uh, Mike yeah so Spike getting kidnapped I have seen uh, Cabin in the Woods and this is totally feels like this is the setup that was later you know amplified into the Cabin in the Woods storyline because Spike in a cage is crazy like this Matrix like environment and then. <laughs> I just the fact that he thinks Buffy does it is really funny, and of course they're cutting back to klutzy Buffy, like literally, com- almost she's struggling to be a human, and then like Spike <laughs> is like imagining that she's responsible, and the Scooby Gang got wise is really funny and off. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that sequence. Yeah, well, I love that that connects back to Cabin in the Woods. I love Cabin in the Woods. Wait, yeah, and oh my God, Spike's like. Um, makeup for that scene the freaking extremely chapped lips that like look like they're breaking and the weird bruise on like one eye yeah like there's just so much good but he got there's so much good of like that one bit where he's like trapped in the cell and then that's gone kind of quickly i like that um they had to add like the electric image to him touching the glass or plastic because that looks so flimsy (laughs) 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 i could just push that over (laughs) uh let's see uh mike oh yeah so all the xander giles stuff this episode feels incredibly unlikely like these people can't stand each other shouldn't be in a room together and then are like doing military planning and like military prep stuff together it just feels so off and the show is kind of like oh these guys um they're not in college so they can just be hanging out together and like it just feels everything about those scenes feels so awkward um i mean i'm not not enjoying it i'm enjoying it it just like the unlikeliness is is really fun it's not quite harmony spike level unlikeliness which is so good but it's it's close yeah i guess at this point xander and giles are kind of the b team 
Yeah, <laughs> they're 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 like they you know they don't go to college. They're just sort of like, well, I guess we have to hang out with each other because everybody else is doing things. Everybody else has moved on. Yeah, I like. I, I wish there was like an extended scene where like a campus security guard catches them on campus with all this like requisitioned. <laughs> <laughs> No, neither of us go here. We were just, we're protecting the campus. <laughs> so I want to know about this requisition military equipment. So Xander was, he says, when I was military guy, but that was one night. And he, did but he held on to the memories for a while, right? That's so, why but he was able to get the um, rocket, the rocket launch. launcher. Yep, okay. Mm -hmm. So how much of a, like, arsenal does Xander have in that basement? What like does he decide is appropriate to bring it out? What's he saving it for? <laughs> I just, I have a lot of questions. Like, honestly, maybe he just straight up got it, like, within him having nothing else to do because he went to college. I'll buy that. Like, so much of this episode is just, like, him and Giles figuring out what the hell their purpose is anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're not only, like, as people, like, lost, but the writers are, like... A little lost. What do we do with them? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting um, to juxtapose that team with the initiative. I guess we'll get into that. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Also, this is kind of like I realized really early, but the guy who plays Riley and um, Mark Lucas, like, just kind of seems like the typical actor that you cast as a cop. And I literally just saw him last um, Monday as a cop on his new show called Dietland on AMC. Huh. Like, he I literally shows up for one scene. Aw. Uh, yeah, I don't know a lot about Mark Lucas's post-Buffy career. Um, it makes sense if he, he'd get jobs as, as a cop, but that's sad to me that he'd only show up for one scene. I hope he... Yeah, but it was cool. It was like, oh, hey, there you are, because he was in that movie Night and Day, and that's all I've seen of him. <laughs> huh. I, I saw an interview with him uh, and really briefly on uh, at a con or something. Uh, on YouTube, and the impression of him out of character is exactly the same as Riley. Like he's just sort of like, you know, friendly and kind of doofy. Like <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. I I feel like it, it. It's maybe too early to discuss Riley, but I want to say like, I feel like they're trying to write him as a kind of Steve Rogers character, right? And yeah, like I just think it works a lot better when you're actually writing Steve Rogers than <laughs> this guy. Uh. <laughs> I guess that makes sense because he's super square, like literally has to ask advice on how to take out a girl and then runs a military operation on the side. Like he's definitely an Archie Comics military <laughs> character, like super weird. But yeah, I guess Captain America is the closest thing you would think of. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm so wholesome, but also I fight monsters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John? Oh, uh, I just, I, I feel like in the last handful of Parker episodes, I think I'm, I'm, I'm worried I may have come off as a little bit of a Parker apologist. Uh, <laughs> obviously, in this, in this episode, if, if anybody had any lingering little bit of sympathy for Parker, once he makes that toilet seat comment, God. That is an awful. Yeah. awful I mean, we get the satisfaction of seeing him get punched out again, but like. And we don't see him get up, by the way. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, Quincy that, has this so thing where she loves Parker. <laughs> no, because really? he's so pretty, and if his like, if his like entire speech when he was um, trying to date Buffy was genuine, like I would have fallen for that. But he turns out to be just an awful, awful human being, 
and this um, last episode shows how awful, awful a human being. It's just, it's just so sad. He's so pretty. Is he still <laughs> so pretty after the toilet seat comment, Quincy? I mean, obviously no, but he, like objectively, <laughs> he's still so pretty. <laughs> Why don't we ask a doctor how his brain's doing after this? <laughs> he's, he's not going to be making many more speeches after this. After this yeah. Also, Quincy, I like the idea of you like having like the remote and like muting his his muting the TV whenever he's talking, so you don't have to hear like these horrible things he says. Like, oh, I'm just kind of yeah. living in this world where oh, there there he is. It's, you don't hear it. He's That's a really good idea. Parker. No, like something that's very important about my personality, like for the movie Titanic, I didn't watch it all the way through until I was like 17. Every other time, like either my mom stopped it or I stopped it right before the iceberg hit. And then the first time <laughs> I watched it all the way through, it was very sad. So I haven't watched it all the way through since then. Wow. <laughs> So that says a lot about me avoiding stuff in my personality. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. You this, can decide when it stops. <laughs> this is a little unrelated, but I just like last or this week found out that Billy Zane isn't in the Mummy. I really thought he was the Mummy. He's not in the Brendan Fraser Mummy. It's somebody else. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There you go. I haven't seen the movie. Zane update. Billy Zane update. <laughs> <laughs> what else is Billy Zane not in? <laughs> well, he's in Titanic. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like he would be in that movie. It feel it really fits. He'd like yeah. be in the shadow, maybe. Uh yeah, any of these like old timey could be a radio play first. Yeah. He's in the Phantom, so why isn't he in the mummy and yeah, the shadow? <laughs> Wait, is he in the shadow? He might be in the shadow. I don't know. I don't That's know. update next week. I know he's in uh, the Curse of the Leprechaun from the Sci-Fi Channel, which is like the first time Sharknado is mentioned before it's a series. Is uh, in that new podcast, you guys? We just like, watch random movies and look for Billy Zane. Listen, I, I, can give you some, I can give you some psych episodes that Billy Zane stars in if you really want. Just after the show, <laughs> I'll take that wreck. Um, <laughs> Uh, Travis, oh, yeah, I, I love I love dark, depressed Willow in this episode. She's so great, so honest. Um, and when she's sort of like just being real dark with Riley, he's like, "Oh, whoa." <laughs> <laughs> also, Riley has this great, great line where, where you just I think he walks in and it says uh, something like, "I'm not interrupting some depressed, uh, some depression, am I, or something like?" Jeez, uh, um, she's she's uh, she's she seems like she. She's like hurting in a really realistic way um, for, for college, you know. Um, I just think it's yeah. a pretty, pretty great scene with her. And also, I was gonna bring this up, but you brought up in the summary, I thought, um, I thought Cordelia liked Brie. I thought that was one of her weaknesses <laughs> on the prom board. It, it's unclear if she likes it or hates it. I, I thought she like hates Brie based on Xander like so, and Brie were the weaknesses. She hates <laughs> Brie, which is why she doesn't want to go to a gathering, as in she would like to go to a hootenanny. But then on the, the board of, of her strengths and weaknesses that, that Buffy makes when they're uh, for homecoming queen or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, listed as a, yeah, it's listed as a weakness. What? So it, it's not her weakness because she can't resist it. Presumably it's her weakness because she's terrified of it. And doesn't like it. Okay. <laughs> 
Is it yeah. all? Is it just brie or is it like all soft cheeses? No, no, just as brie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could yeah. be like a synecdoche, like we're just using brie as a stand-in for other cheese. They're just trying to take her down any way they can. <laughs> that's what little they remember. <laughs> yeah, they've been friends with Cordelia at this point for like three years. They have like this little knowledge of her. Yeah, they were Throw never brie listening. At her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, man, Xander in the woods, uh, really rocking the shaggy look. Like I know they call him the Scooby Gang, but man, he's really <laughs> leaning into the shaggy mystery solver in that <laughs> section. Yeah. yeah. This entire TV show, they never have a dog. That's true. <laughs> they should have uh, Matthew Lillard play Xander just for one episode and never acknowledge it. Just to... <laughs> Would that have been at the same time? When did the Scooby-Doo movie come out? Um, I don't know. I think it came I... out during the sixth season. Oh, wow. Season. That late. Yeah. So they totally could have dropped in a Lillard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quincy? Yeah, like, oh my god. I <laughs> I know that it's been, like, established that Spike doesn't really care about Harmony, but, like, the lazy nicknames he was calling her when he came back to the lair, it was like, oh my vanilla latte, my creme brulee. And then near the end, when she's still talking, he's just distracting. He's like, my mentholated pack of smokes. Like he doesn't even care that she's there anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, oh God, that, that's like perfect for this entire scene. And I like how he, he calls her creme brulee and he, she's like, ooh, Italian. And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for pointing out the menthol thing because I didn't even realize he was still talking about her. <laughs> yeah. No, he was trying to think of something else cute to talk, but he didn't care and he just wanted to smoke. So he's like my methylated <laughs> pack of smokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote those all down and you you nailed them all. Because so. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. just so great in showing how little Spike cares about Harmony. <laughs> I also love Harmony putting up uh, uh, the unicorn posters in the lair. <laughs> <laughs> I really like I think I mentioned this last time Harmony was on but like usually vampires are supposed to have like a personality change when they like become vampires and it doesn't happen to Harmony at all and uh, it's both interesting like from like how our like view of vampires have changed but it's just like so charming for a vampire <laughs> to be acting this way <laughs> I can't believe the way they shot that oh I guess you're about to talk about it anyway no we can talk about it now <laughs> oh just the xander harmony battle scene too like that was just so messy and weird <laughs> with the slow motion slap fight but it, like it didn't really get pulled off even in slow motion. <laughs> it was just like strange I, what a weird choice and it's yeah. fun they're fun i want to watch more of xander harmony stuff happening but wow wow yeah <laughs> just like like after all of Xander's talk about being ex-military and stuff, like, and all these years of being on the field, he still can't fight at all. <laughs> and Harmony, yeah, is still Harmony. Like, what did she call yeah, him, like, totally. a, a sissy kicker? <laughs> like, that's no, I, why it was in slow motion. It's like Xander's big fight scene <laughs> with all of his knowledge. He's so useless in this episode. This is the one moment he gets to shine and shine so brightly. Yeah. <laughs> No, I really, I think this scene, this fight in particular was definitely very difficult to choreograph. <laughs> Just like 
how do you choreograph all this randomness? Like if you're choreographing a fight scene, you have like moves that you can do and stuff. This is just like everywhere, all over the place. How do you choreograph this? Is it improvised? That's my question, most likely. I, I bet this was improvised. <laughs> Maybe like with some instruction, like they did it first and then they were like, okay, wait, you aren't grabbing your hair enough. Like, wait, it looks like um, Sandra's getting up her hand and Harmony do this, this, and this. Like, because you can't tell them what to do in this situation, I don't feel. <laughs> I feel like grabbing her hair would be the easy thing to do to like win that fight. And the fact that, they, that Xander doesn't, I feel like that's probably the only direction is don't, don't grab <laughs> the hair yeah, and kind of like, you know, keep it up, keep it up high. Don't hit the hair or yeah. It's, but also don't go to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ground would feel like real danger right well i mean they're the same size so maybe not <laughs> uh john you got a fun fact we skipped Ah, uh, yeah i just want to say that uh so riley tries to uh you know pick buffy up at the party by saying hey how about that theory we studied in class and then he offers her some cheese <laughs> when that doesn't work and i would like to say that if i'm ever at a party and someone wants to seduce me they're coming up and being like hey how about that theory and here's some cheese would totally work on me. I would, I'd be melting. <laughs> Everyone, John's weakness is cheese. <laughs> and theories. And theories. <laughs> and um, the song that comes on, that's like the dingo song that makes Willow sad. That actually was a song used in a previous episode, I feel. And that song is actually really good. Like I wanted to hear the whole song. Stupid Willow, Willow with their it. heartbreak wouldn't let you. <laughs> Yeah. Although, yeah, and people were like, "Oh, when the song went off," and I felt the same way. But I, I understand why they changed it. There's some uh, demon mixtape stuff going on here because, uh, just really quickly, because uh, Riley says it's a tape, but there is no cassette mechanism sound that happens when they change it, and they change tracks on a dime. There's no rewinding. Or <laughs> Definitely a demon. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Riley, after this music scene, you know, goes up to Buffy and talks to her about Willow. And, like, I see the height difference between them. And I, I never noticed it before until this moment. But it's such a huge height difference. And it's really funny. I just got married, like, the, on the 15th of June. So it's, like, about a week yeah. ago. Congratulations. And, Congratulations. Oh, wow. That's Thank you. That's the day after I got married. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Congratulations. And welcome to the surprise episode. <laughs> right uh no but it's funny because my my husband i almost called him fiance this is really weird um he's so tall and i'm so short and there's this moment he has a twin brother and i have an aunt who's exactly my size and they took a picture together and i'm like oh my god is that the height difference between me and my husband that is insane like yes, i didn't yes, never notice yeah it was really bad and that just happened and then i just saw it right now with riley and buffy and i'm like okay wow that is weird like <laughs> what do people think when they look at us there was even riley a and buffy. there's a height difference when y'all were at the altar you were wearing like what like five inch shoes yeah it was and it was still the insane height difference yeah it didn't do anything for me well yeah. it's super clear who the little spoon is i mean that's Person, right? <laughs> yeah he is yeah yeah 
That's also interesting because that means you've had like a personal emotional reaction to Riley and Buffy, which I think is pretty unusual. Yeah. Well, like Riley's her, well, not her favorite, but she likes Riley. I, I do love Riley. I do absolutely. Like if Riley walked into my life, ooh, like, I don't know. You have to know the marriage like now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's really cute. Sorry. <laughs> I know people don't like Riley, but no, you don't I have mean... to apologize. Yeah, you know, I'm not apologizing. He's just got that <laughs> typical like '90s um, male haircut, like the cool grungy <laughs> haircut, but it's on the wrong personality. Like he's got that Skeet Ulrich kind of whatever you call that '90s like male haircut. I completely agree. His hair does not work with him. <laughs> it's too good for what he, yeah. He like he went to the right barber or the right stylist, but doesn't know, like didn't, didn't make the choice himself. He was like, oh, like details magazine. Make me look yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like Graham's haircut like matches Riley more. Like. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really work with like his rank either. Which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> so Oh, oh, cover, you now guys. That, now that we're into to all this Riley talk, let's talk about the big reveal that happens like just right now at the 26 minute mark, as Mike points out. Oh, yeah, because I had to like pull back the tape on Hulu to see what the heck just happened. Because uh, <laughs> Riley, with his unsuspecting haircut, uh, gets the retinal scan and then goes down in an elevator with uh, these guys from the party that they're at. Like, I was shocked. <laughs> I was so shocked when this happened. I had to like freak every whining because I was like, no, this can't be. This can't be the. I get, like, I kind of knew something was going to happen because of the Cabin in the Woods style vibe of the intro, but I did not expect Riley to be involved in this. It made no sense. He comes across as an idiot. He needs help getting basic information about women in order to move on. Like, for him to have a secret hideout and a secret military identity, like, there's no clue that that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> he, he barely he barely knows what's going on around campus he's like huh this buffy girl's kind of nice like doesn't know that she's a demon hunter has no inkling of an idea like but they're constantly going after demons apparently with the secret hideout like it's just he's got to be so obtuse so obtuse that he come that he he doesn't even recognize that these identities that he's putting out there are so different in which case it's the perfect secret identity but I was totally, totally shocked. There's no way, like, this doesn't make sense for Riley. It also, it also, it means Riley was probably not the SWAT guy who bumped into Buffy the last episode and they had their, like, their yeah, can't be. gun bounce and it had to be a different guy because he would have recognized Buffy, right? Yeah. But was one of the SWAT guys Riley in the previous scene? Well, they're in masks, so it's hard to tell, right? Yeah, yeah. probably, but, yeah. Maybe they saw each other on Halloween. I mean, so does anybody else like, does this, I guess, John, you have, you were going to ask this, like, does his identity make sense? My problem with his identity is that he is apparently a graduate student who lives on campus and goes to frat parties. <laughs> <laughs> it is confusing. Uncool. Is he an undergrad TA somehow? No, that's he's kind of definitely a grad student. I think that's specifically mentioned earlier. Yeah, but those existed in my school. So it can be a thing. Okay. And it isn't even that weird because they're always there. Maybe that's what his deal is. Did they say what he's getting his master's in? I like, psychology. Psych, right? 
Oh, yeah, but psychology okay. barely makes sense for like the style of thing that they're doing. Like if you're going to be an underground organization that's taking out vampires and shit, like shouldn't you also have like some kind of paranormal subject that you're mastering in versus psych? Psych is so like, it's such a soft science compared to the harder science of stuff. Like they've got people in cages that they're examining and then putting in neurological implants. Those didn't come from a fucking psych class. That's like a yeah, plus- neurobiology or like, you know, they're looking at the human brain, not from like psych 101 classes that they're teaching. <laughs> I about mean, like, are you familiar with humans, basic impulses for shelter and sex? Like these people like, are also, how is professor Walsh like the head of the, whatever division she's the head of, which will be in a later episode, but as the psych. Like, I can't see the need for psych in the operation. Well, I mean, it's not like, she's not doing, like, art therapy. It's, uh, you know, she's, <laughs> she's, she's, a, she's an intense behaviorist. She's, yeah. it's, not, it's not that kind of psychology. She's, so it's like she's doing, like, Pavlov dog experiments on yeah. demons. I also want to point out that the, like, doctors who, like, uh, interact with Spike, one of them is wearing, like, a frat bro bead bracelet. (laughs) So I really think all of the doctors, all of the people operating in the initiative also have cover identities on the campus, and they're all, like... They're all grad students or professors. For some reason, they have to be in different. But they have to be in different departments. Like, they can't all be in psychology. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe some of them are in English, some are in history. Like, <laughs> like deep cover, the history professor is like the one who like makes the blood that drugs everyone. Like, I don't know. That like a uh, uh, professor who taught the media studies in the first episode is like <laughs> hypnotizing vampires with televisions in the, in the oh, background. <laughs> well, works on hellhounds or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, when we see the initiative, I'm pretty sure they're reusing some demon costumes. I think I saw the squid face from the wish on a table. We're going to get into that in predictions. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Um, uh, and I say Riley assigns one unit to scour all the sewers and cemeteries while everyone else gets like the campus and, uh, the perimeter. That one unit is doing the heavy lifting, like... (laughs) You know how many sewers and cemeteries are in Sunnydale? <laughs> I saw that note while I was actually watching the episode and made me laugh. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, if Spike had actually run away further, then they never would have caught him, but he's one-track-minded. Yeah. <laughs> and he still, for some reason, thinks that the Slayer is involved in this. <laughs> uh, Does he, at the end, still think that she's involved? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but the funding though <laughs> I love that line um, but no it's really funny so we've already established that Xander and Giles are completely useless in this episode um, and it's so funny I, they give Buffy a flare gun and they're like shoot it if you need us and it's like first of all what are you going to do if she shoots a flare gun other than just show up and die and second of all you're waiting indoors you're not going to see the flare gun go off at all so that was interesting still they're completely useless (laughs) but it's such like the loops you have to go through to have the flare gun scene you're like we have to establish the flare gun we have to mention it multiple times like just so that like riley can get blinded and not see uh buffy right like, right. Yeah. I don't know, just the narrative loops that, that it takes for that. 
<laughs> Completely useless. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Flare gun indoors sounds super dangerous. And it is. <laughs> yeah, like you heard it here the, first. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what's like the moment of like blurriness where Riley's right in front of Buffy and he straight up can't see? Like is he blind now? Like <laughs> 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 have vision problems. Ah, <laughs> uh, that could be a prediction, Mike. You care to predict if uh, Riley is permanently blind? <laughs> He's absolutely not. They talk afterwards. There's another scene after that. Right, yeah. Holy <laughs> totally Like, does he have vision problems? Like, I feel like that would be bad. Uh, uh, Dr. Travis, if uh, you get like a flare gun in the face, is that bad for your vision? <laughs> um, it probably will lead to PTSD. Just, just <laughs> traumatic, traumatic experience. So flare guns are only moderately dangerous indoors. <laughs> You'll heal them. Uh, John, you have a, uh, a interesting point here. So I, it's interesting that Spike doesn't need an invitation to enter the dorm room where Willow and Buffy are living. Um, I'm not sure if this is just a, a writing oversight or if maybe there's like something subtle being said about how dorms aren't really home. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's an interesting point. I never thought about this before, but in the first episode of this season, the vampires enter people's dorm rooms right so yeah dorm rooms don't have the same protection i wonder why well do you mean like the room or the dormitory in general well both i guess because because spike goes into both he goes into uh, willow's room I, and grabs her i think well, in this episode willow said um come in oh did she oh, oh, I yeah, just, she oh. Did. i'm just an idiot then never mind <laughs> the politeness of dorm life <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but but earlier with Sunday the Vampire, like uh, earlier in the season, right? Like doesn't, I mean, they're going in and taking people's stuff. Yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. Uh, oh, they yeah. leave the note somehow, so they definitely have to go in the room to do that. Well, they yeah, killed them. Once the uh, it's after they killed him, yeah. So. Uh, but somebody, but dorm people always have roommates. Yeah. So somebody's still living there. There's still protection, right? Yeah. We've got to kill them in pairs. <laughs> so, so Willow says come in? Oh. Yeah. Yes, she does. They should Wait. know better. They should know better than to like let people. Yeah, but it's college is safe now, which doesn't exist. But um, <laughs> there's like a question about like there's a question about updating the security of dorm rooms because my dorm was so freaking annoying. It's like you had to unlock one set of doors if it was nighttime to get to the front desk, and you had to unlock another set of doors to actually get into the building and go up to your room, like. Is dorm security gone up since 1990, whenever this was? Hmm. I remember my dorm room had, uh, you needed a key card to get in one way, but you could just go in through the front desk without any key card. Like, no, like, because with mine, like, if it was daytime, then the front, front door to the front desk is just like open, but you had to have a key to go past the front desk into the actual like lounge and everything. So maybe mine was not that intense. I just needed the key for the door. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Okay, my school is just weird then. Because I'm thinking, like, maybe, like, someone saw this episode and, like, or thought about this and updated security. <laughs> I don't think they saw this episode. I think they saw maybe some earshot 
era episodes or you know something yeah. about yeah. You know, guns on campus. It'd be, that'd be great though if someone was designing it to prevent vampires from getting into dorms. <laughs> Sprinkling holy water everywhere, all over. <laughs> the sprinklers are just filled with holy water. <laughs> and there are secret crosses that we don't even see. That actually be kind of dope. I wonder if like any superstitious people have like secret crosses embedded between like the walls to Ooh. make sure the vampires stay away. I'm just saying this could work. Uh, 100% that is happening. People are super superstitious AF. If there's a Buffy reboot, I'm submitting this. <laughs> Do crosses work or the vampire can't see it? See, that's another question we have to see about. But I feel like it could, because you can't see like the curses and stuff. That, like, I don't, I don't know. Let, next so we know, we know crosses <laughs> hurt when they touch them. Does it, like... Just being in their pres presence hurt? Like, does it hurt their eyes to look at them? It seems like there's like a, ah, cross. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Because, hmm. like, if you're going for the, if the vampire's going for the neck, I feel like they get repelled before they actually see that the cross necklace is there. And then they see the cross necklace is why they got repelled. Yeah. Yeah. Does the size like of the this. cross matter? Is it... <laughs> I like well, this. But, but I feel like this is the thought. Well, literally, churches are cross-shaped, right? That's like they have the nave and the altar, right? So, like, oh. there are large crosses. Oh, that's the one Not oh, okay. all churches, cool. but a lot of a lot of churches, even modern churches, are cross-shaped. Right. The long altar and the. Two so, sides. so if a vampire is like skydiving, <laughs> <laughs> steer away. But once this, once it starts to scale up, it's fine. So this is this is night skydiving that the vampire is doing, right? Yeah, night skydiving, church is lit up by, <laughs> the church outline is lit up, yeah. See, this is fun, because this is the type of thought that, like, goes into fanfic, but we don't actually, like, discuss it with authors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, world building is fun. <laughs> so many uh, rules. Yeah. I'd say, um, how small is the freshman class at UC Sunnydale that Rosenberg and Summers are on the same page when Spike's trying to find the dorm room? Uh, also, I'm surprised Spike can use a computer, but good for him. <laughs> He's yeah, only we learned, 100 we his age. Yeah. yeah. I think we knew that. Yeah. Wait, if this is... Wait, Mike, have you seen Angel at all? Yes, I've seen some Angel, yeah. Yeah, because if this is the same time as season one of Angel, then computers are a thing by now. So, yeah, I mean, and I Angel's know, really bad. At I it. know Angel can use a computer. <laughs> he uses like two at once to like find yeah. out who was murdered in all of LA. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, because that's so funny. Because he breaks into a library to use a computer. <laughs> in Angel, yeah, he's so out of it. <laughs> uh, I hope no one tells him to deliver. Oh, right. oh. Disastrous. Uh, so, I, so there is apparently a fan rumor that uh, they were going to kill Willow this season. So the writers or Doug Petrie uh, really tried to make it look like Spike was going to kill Willow in that scene. Um, and I think it's more effective actually on TV when there's a commercial break. You see him going to bite and then it pulls out to the dorm room and then it goes to commercial. But like Without that commercial break, it's like, no, she's fine. Okay. I don't know how to word this because the whole I bite you in a heartbeat conversation isn't charming. Like, it's there for comedic effect. It's super weird and problematic. But the, 
It's just, okay, Spike's, you know, Spike's great. Spike's adorable in the scene. He can't actually hurt you. So it ends up being weirdly slightly charming, but we still shouldn't call it charming because, you know, he would have killed her. And Spike confuses me, okay? I'm just yeah. saying, it's well, a great conversation for the I bite you in a heartbeat. It's one of those moments where you mute your TV, Quincy, and you just look at the pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, like even Willow gets confused in this because she does seem to genuinely be consoling him for a minute. She's like, well, maybe we can wait a half hour and try again. And then she's like, wait, no. I should hit you with a lamp. <laughs> That's my problem with this scene as a, just, just as like in the story is like, I mean, a, aside from what is also problematic about it, like, but this like as a story thing, it requires for that joke, it requires Willow to play along. And there's no story reason for Willow to play along at all. It doesn't make any sense. It's just nonsense. But she's such a good actress. We fall, we're like, sure. Is this yeah. what's happening? And we're like uh, interested in, you know, seeing how it plays out. Cause I mean, clearly it's the erectile dysfunction joke. That's like super. <laughs> but it's uh, also, yeah, it's totally that. Yeah. But I was also thinking it's connected to like what Willow and Spike's weird relationship is. Cause there's like consoling she does after he kidnaps her in season three right or is that season two no it's season three yeah but after drew dumps him the first time and like to, to make a spell right and then like she ends up doing like comforting on him then like they have a weird like they haven't spent <laughs> so, too much time together but when they have it's been pretty weird yeah um we've done a xander i mean not xander um willow spike fanfic right jay mm, like not if we yet done, i don't think so like, if we haven't done a full Willow Spike, we've done one with a bit of Willow Spike. And actually, like, it's a really interesting, um, like, interesting stuff comes out when you actually get them, like, on the same side and being friendly. Yeah. And uh, then there's, like, there's also Vampire Willow. If you could have Vampire Willow and Spike meet, she would totally be, like, the dom in that relationship. <laughs> yeah, I've read that. I've read a lot of that when we just haven't interviewed the author, but that was definitely <laughs> an interesting one. I like Dennis is speculating that that exists, and you're like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> I, I think we couldn't contact the author to get her on the show, but that one definitely exists. I've read like 10 chapters of it. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I think Forrest thinking Willow could have been turned really shows that the initiative doesn't know anything about vampires yet. Like, you can't turn somebody when they're still, like, Willow's clearly still alive, so she couldn't have been turned. They clearly don't know shit about vampire lore yet. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Jetty? Yeah, uh, I was just going to say they have some great shots of the UCLA campus in this episode, too. There was a point in my life I wanted to go to UCLA just because they filmed Buffy there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I went to Cal State LA instead. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah no, uh, I've actually been to the UCLA campus because they filmed Buffy there. And, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. Awesome. <laughs> also, for um, her 17th birthday, we went to Torrance High, where they used it for saying yeah. high. Yeah, right. I really did. Cool. It was right after school, and, like, drama was, and, like, choir and stuff were still going on, and we probably weren't supposed to be there, but it was fun. Yeah, we totally ditched school to go to a different school. It was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get away with that when you're still 17. It's a little... Yeah. 
harder when you're in your like 20s or 30s. All you need is a car that's spray painted over the windows. <laughs> it's the only way to show up to that. School. Or a giant creeper van. <laughs> Um, I would. Oh, I was just saying that this feels like the most unfinished episode um, of the uh, so far. It feels like nothing really, like nothing really, really happens. It just like so much in like part one or act one. You know, the, a lot of things got revealed, but nothing got resolved by the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. it's so pretty it like, much exposition, like yeah. setting stuff up. Yeah, this is something that starts to frustrate me more as the series goes on. Is like the episodes start to spread out more. We get less of like a full story. Uh, why don't we move on to questions for the group? Questions for the group. Uh, Mike, why don't you start us up? Okay, sure. So riffing on uh, the Riley Buffy Willow thing happening this episode, did anyone ever enlist you or did you ever enlist anyone for uh, insight um, about someone when you like them. And uh, the follow-up question is, what would someone, uh, what would Willow say about you? Like, if they were to say like, oh, you want to get with, uh, you know, with Landis or, you know, Quincy, what was the, what's, oh, they're really like X. <laughs> uh, I'll go first. It would probably, well, enlisting someone on the inside, like, literally every single person I've liked, I've already been friends with them. So I haven't had to enlist anyone. Like I mostly had to keep it a secret from other people that I liked them before they knew, I guess. And then what would they say about me? Like she really likes TV, Marvel Avengers, like maybe give her some seafood. Like mm. <laughs> she'll argue with you, but it's fine. Like stuff like that. Like, so many of my conversations start with pop culture. It's just, like, talk about TV or something that's happening on Twitter or, like, something like that, and you're good. I've never, like, enlisted help for someone that I've liked, but I've been in Willow shoes where people ask me <laughs> about other people. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Huh. But what would they say about me? I, they'd probably say I like fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and pugs. I love pugs. Like, have you ever seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer? If not, you literally watched one episode. (laughs) Actually, I would want to be with someone who hasn't seen it so I could watch it with them. That'd be, like, relationship goals. (laughs) I feel like for you, you're really open to, like, people suggesting shows because I made her watch Black Mirror, Stranger Things, a lot of stuff. So I feel like that would be good for you. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been clever enough to think about trying to enlist an insider for tips. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was like, that's a good move. You can't do that. It doesn't work in real life because like, like you're going to go and be like somebody's best friend and be like, I'm trying to date this person. They're immediately going to go tell them. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You, you break your secracy and it's all downhill from there. Yeah. You can't no, be I mysterious. Totally, yeah. In Willow's shoes, I would have totally told Buffy. <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> yeah. Your TA is trying to mack on you. It's a little weird. <laughs> 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 Make him change his haircut first, and then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like for me, it'd probably be yeah, spicy food. I like spicy food. Um, he likes monsters. spicy food. <laughs> he likes insanely spicy food. Let's be honest. For me, on this one, I've definitely been enlisted, even recently, 
for information about someone. Um, but, you know, I've been married for, you know, a long time now. And I think looking back at that, like, I definitely didn't enlist anyone for information. Um, not, not directly, but when I met my, uh, the woman that, you know, I eventually married, like, I do remember asking, like, where did she come from? You know, that kind of questions to people. And they're like, oh, you guys are perfect, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, I didn't get any insight except that you guys would be great together, which was, I think, psychologically, like, that forms some pathway in your brain where you're like, yes, this is good. <laughs> and that happened, but not like specific information about like, oh, she likes X. Um, and then for tips about me, um, he likes Mexican food and podcasts. So like, <laughs> ask him about podcasts. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever tried to get insider uh, information. Much like Dennis, I'm the same way. I don't think I think when you revealed the the secret, then you then for me it's like the power is gone that you had. But <laughs> the power, um, well, whatever, whatever small like small amount you had, you're like, oh gosh, you know, you show your cards too early. You know, um, I feel like nowadays I feel like Mike and Dennis and John they would say things like. You know, Travis is a dinosaur, you know, um, <laughs> you know, do you like something totally impractical? Great. Mention it. He'll be all over it. You know, I feel, I feel like nowadays these guys would really. Would do you have a reel to reel? I would yeah. say yeah. ask him about hi-fi audio equipment. No, I think it'd be like, do you like something totally impractical? Lead with that, you know. <laughs> reel to reel, hi-fi audio Do you like equipment. any show that isn't Buffy or Angel? Don't bring it up. Oh, no. <laughs> Please. Please. Um, or they'll be like, oh, he works all the time. So, um, you know, he's dying to meet you. I mean, it'd be like, you know, <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's probably what they'd say. They'd be pretty funny and mean about us. Vintage photography. Um, well, yeah, there's the impractical aspect. Yeah. I already covered mine, theory and cheese. Sweet. That's it. All right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that leads to my question of just who doesn't like cheese? Like, I mean, Sorry. unless you're lactose intolerant. <laughs> Yeah, I have a dairy allergy and I got that when I was older. So the hardest thing to give up was cheese. But after a while, it's like, I can't even look at cheese. I don't like cheese really? anymore. Yeah, uh, it was the hardest thing to give up. And now it's like the hardest one to go back to. So you might say it's your weakness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If someone threw brie at me, I'd be weakness down. This is so confusing. Brie would lead to a it either means you love it too much or you're, you know, you'll, you'll die from it. It's so confusing. I mean, I, I had a roommate who was lactose intolerant and he would still take his like lactate pills for cheese because like he couldn't give up the cheese. Yeah. Uh, I also asked, and this is, I looked up the word, but like, what do you guys think Teutonic is? Because I also looked it up. I was like, like, what? It's like, <laughs> It means you're like of a Germanic, like tribe. tribe? Yeah, he's saying he's Aryan. <laughs> it's a Nazi joke. What? Yeah, it's no. a Nazi joke. He was like Nazi. But like Buffy clearly thinks it means something else, right? Because she's like, he's a doof. He's not Teutonic. And then when he's like being m more misogynist, she's like, that's so Teutonic. And I don't know. If, like, I just don't know if like how they're playing this joke. I just, I. It's weird. It's weird also because Xander is dropping knowledge. Yes. <laughs> It, it, Wait, does, literally, it literally just means German? Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's a type of German tribe. So that's what it refers to historically. And then eventually there were these Teutonic Knights, which was this kind of uh, military order. Ooh, my computer. Um, but um, so it doesn't mean, any, like the name doesn't mean anything. It's like calling somebody Irish or calling somebody, you know, f from, from Ohio. 
I think it's almost exactly like he's <laughs> calling him Arian, but he's just using the slightly more obscure term instead. She said it's a Teutonic Knight. Teutonic Knight would kind of make sense because he was a military figure trying to protect people. But so Xander somehow was able to read that this dude's military. No, yeah, so it doesn't make sense. So yeah, like, it's just a, it's just a I think they just needed a funny word and like yes. maybe Doug Petrie like actually knew what that word means. So he put it in and no one argued with him because yeah. it sounded funny. It's a Teutonic boy toy is a good like sounding phrase yeah uh great Jane, i think you got the uh big question for mike here or maybe it's for all of us yeah well yeah sorry it's for mike <laughs> um but well i guess everyone can answer it but i was mostly seeing how do you feel about the initiative so far and like what your concept of what they do sure so i'm kind of shocked at the size and apparent power of the initiative. They appear to have a lot of money, maybe as much money as the school and have their own secret underground laboratory inside of a fraternity that has been there for who knows how long. Like, I just, it's this immensely powerful force and it's crazy that this is the first time we're running into it. Um, but I guess it's buried beneath the college. So maybe it's, it's just that these, a force so large can operate so independently of the Scooby gang, not even in like, or Giles, no one even knowing about it is pretty insane. Uh, it feels like just a random story bit that like, oh, here's a surprise reveal that we haven't dropped enough information or justified, but like, here it is. And like, I'm excited about it because it's a really fun thing to add to the universe of Buffy. Uh, so I am excited about it overall, but it does feel like just kind of, kind of, kind of bullshit. Uh, as an institution, um, I can't imagine Riley and Walsh running this organization. <laughs> how they would ever get the money for this if, like, they're struggling to like make students feel ashamed for not like taking psych seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the juxtaposition of like their university life and that life is just so huge and vast that like it's hard for me to take the initiative seriously, but. I guess I'm along for the ride because I enjoy, I mean, I'm enjoying the Buffy experience, but like it is, it doesn't, those people would never run that organization. There's no, it way. does. It does make it really weird that in wild at heart, Maggie Walsh talks about being attacked by like two large animals <laughs> to <laughs> Riley, like out in open campus. And she acts like she's never seen anything like them. Like that makes that scene really like not make a lot of sense. Well, it's a misdirect. It's yeah. just a misdirect. Yeah. Do you think but the yeah. guys in the initiative frat like like ever like get gotten to fights before with the guys who were in the lizard cult sacrifice <laughs> frat? <laughs> right. Uh, no, they, 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 no, no, neither of <laughs> them knew each other existed because the initiative has no information about these monsters. <laughs> <laughs> and Blizzard House is actually a different uh, college that we've never mentioned. Like, I, I assumed that was just UC Sunnydale because it was the nearest college, but no, you don't think no, so? No, it's like um, they name it at the time and it's like oh. some private college or something. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's what's really it. going on with the initiative. The initiative is a, like, they have what was like the remains of an old psych institution that was a creepier, larger government entity that was like super well-funded and looked into like uh, racial profiling and, uh, you know, augmentation, genetic mutations. But uh, it, those people all passed away or like got furloughed into real military contracts and ongoing things. And so that institution, the bare bones of it was left to the people who were uh, volunteering at that organization 
uh, Professor Walsh and Riley, who had no idea what they were picking up. And then uh, the people there were uh, the military contractors who had nothing to do with the actual decision making in that institution. They stayed on and uh, Riley and uh, Walsh moved into, um, you know, the kind of superior roles looking over that organization, even though they had no no real plan or how they're going to move move it forward. And it continues to be funded by the government into a black hole or this black box because government doesn't know what it's funding anyway because it's so many deep levels of secrecy away from them. So that's how the incompetence is allowed to survive. Anyway, that's just a theory. Um, <laughs> you so thought about funding. this really like a lot. That's a really <laughs> long prediction for John to type. <laughs> yeah. Also, so like the funding is like a B613 situation where like the government has no idea that it's funding this. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's, it's a okay. state school, right? Like Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a state school. <laughs> With no sports team. Like, how do y'all feel about Riley? He starts off the show, right? Like with his own scene, he's like observing Buffy. So yeah, how do y'all feel good. about that? I always enjoy it. Um, in When a show takes a break from the regular characters to follow like a side character, like those are always kind of my favorite episodes. Less so with Riley, just cause I don't like Riley as much. <laughs> but like, I mean, you know, I always like, like, uh, did you watch um, the most recent example I can think of is do you watch like the second season of Atlanta? They do like yeah, an episode. Yeah, kind of switches around. around. Yeah, Those are like I like episodes like that where they just where they're not following her and where they're following like some other character and like yeah. they get into a way more insane series of events than like. Yeah, the best like, episode was the one where it was um, all Darius. So that is yeah. true. But it's just it's Riley. And the yeah. <laughs> He's better than who was the guy from season one who was even blander than Riley? Like I feel oh, like. Owen. Owen, I feel like we scale like Owen, then it's like Owen, then it's like maybe Riley, then Parker, then Angel and Spike are like the interesting males so far. You know, Zuppie's <laughs> tastes in men are apparently like Baseball. monsters and then really <laughs> boring normal dudes. Yeah, well, at least Riley's not like obsessed with like one book or like one author. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't call any books his security blanket. Yeah. God, that was so weird. <laughs> Like he, he's just in kind of incompetent. Like he doesn't have any weird personality quirks. It's not OCD. He's just kind of not good at anything he he's, he's supposed to be doing. Uh, so you kind of, you guys kind of already answered this question a little throughout the episode. But I asked um, if there's any good fanfic that comes directly out of this episode. Uh, and I am happy to hear that the um, Sludge Machine is part of fan fiction history. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All the submissions for that were so good. Yeah, we did get a couple for that frozen yogurt machine specifically, but like this episode in particular, there was a Spike and Riley one again that was really good. It was really good. It it was different and it was good. Um, but yeah, the frozen yogurt machine, we got submissions for like uh, the janitor, like what he has to do with every day cleaning up the school <laughs> uh, and just like not questioning all the gross stuff that's happening all the time. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then there was the one, one where um, Spike and Buffy had to like both get jobs, so they both got jobs at a demon run frozen yogurt thing, and <laughs> a whole bunch of unruly demon kids came in at night because their parents were working, and they're with like this like summer camp, day camp, or night camp babysitters, and that one was actually that one was so cute. 
but the one that won was um it's kind of like a demon dimension like a um pocket dimension that buffy ended up in and um the the demon who built it didn't understand what yogurt flavor was so it was like black olive and what was the other flavor like relish no it was pickles and black olive flavor yogurt it was yeah <laughs> and then that's also the winner who was at um we didn't come with us yeah that's yeah funny. i'm trying to think i'm trying You'll to think of any other like <laughs> no like those flavors were great great imagery because she said they were like slugs but I can't remember any other fan fictions we've had with Riley except for one where it was a Buffy spike and like it really wailed on like Buffy dumping Riley. It was like a brutal scene. <laughs> like it was just it was such a brutal scene. Even I felt bad for Riley. And oh, oh my god, it's the oh. fan fiction with the talking spikes penis starts talking and then he has sex <laughs> and then another body organ starts talking and <laughs> That one was fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's as much like Riley initiative we get so far in, I think, our submissions. Yeah. Definitely like Riley fan fiction isn't as popular as other fan fiction, but it is out there. <laughs> yeah. And the initiative, besides like the brutality of the Xander Spike one, it hasn't really been mentioned that much in the fan fiction we've done that's what we that's why i should look for a new initiative story that'd be cool i i feel uh, like I <laughs> my history of the initiative story the real story of this government organization <laughs> moved on and left uh in, incompetence in charge yeah do it yeah. we'll interview you all right <laughs> uh looks like we got some more questions um jenny you got the next one so you kind of already answered this one though um when they did the big reveal of Riley at the initiative with Professor Walsh at the helm, like, what was your reaction for everybody? Like, when you watched it for the first time? Do you remember? I don't remember. Because I did watch this episode as it aired. Um, I remember being, like, puzzled by, like, the SWAT guys before the initiative was revealed. And I remember actually having, like, a phone call with Travis about it. Um, but I don't. Once it's revealed, I don't remember what my reaction was. If it was satisfaction. <laughs> you guys talked on the phone about this? Yeah, I would sometimes <laughs> I would call Travis so much what's after happening. after Buffy. I would be like, Travis, did you watch that? Yeah. We talk. We you know, it wasn't all just like calling Mike every, you know, every day, Mike. You know, some of the other minor characters in your life did call each other. <laughs> <laughs> Weird interactions you didn't see, Mike. <laughs> no, obviously. Uh, but back in high school, Travis and I, I feel like we're the only ones who yeah. are really into Buffy. So we would, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even though, even though, of course, I gave Dennis some shit in ninth grade. and But he forgave me and the rest is history. Um, yeah, yeah, we you we were watching it in real time. I I remember enjoying the initiative. I remember enjoying season four, like as it happened, being like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I had no problems with with the plot line for season four. There's a big thing I remember from the end of season four that obviously I can't talk about now, mm -hmm. but I remember like missing a huge chunk because I got confused. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, Quincy. 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I feel like this could already be complained by Mike's whole like theory of how like Professor Wallace and Riley got in charge, but because it's like the initiative versus the Scoobies, if like they have running tallies, who would be more effective? Like, I guess it's kind of just like money versus knowledge because the initiative has this whole setup, but they don't have Giles who like is a trained watcher or whatever. So I was wondering what you guys think. Like, do you think the initiative would be more effective or the Scoobies? That's interesting, right? Because like you bring up Giles as a watcher and like the Scoobies are Giles, like former watcher council, like the watcher world is its own kind of initiative like organization or so you imagine, but they're clearly underfunded or they don't, care as much to spend money on Giles's gear or supplies <laughs> or a place for him to be. Um, I feel like the Scoobies are clearly more effective. They've like averted the end of the world um, at least twice. Um, and the initiative has managed to like, is barely able to like handle the goings on in a college campus. <laughs> but, like, yeah. The, the Scoobies are way more effective. All right, good answer. <laughs> It's just from that, what if Buffy got funding line and made me think about like how effective funding actually is. Yeah. I mean, I think the initiative at least has multiple people because Buffy's only one person is the problem. And yeah. I've, I've talked about this and Joyce has talked about this, that at the end of the day, how much is she doing really? Stop being on Moose's side, man. So there's a lot, of, a lot of vampires out there not getting staked is all I'm saying. You need more people. Uh, at one point, so Spike... Is about to bite Willow and or wait, hold on. Yeah, he's about to bite Willow and he's like, if okay, so this is my question. If Spike was gonna kill you and give you the choice to die or come back as a vampire, which would you choose? If I feel like if I was gonna be a vampire, I would have liked to have been turned earlier because <laughs> it would it would feel crappy to like have an eternity of like back problems and like <laughs> you know, being like the weight I am now, like, it would have been nice to have been, like, vamped a little more close to my prime. <laughs> oh, but, like, losing my soul, I have no compunctions. But... <laughs> <laughs> you're asking, you're asking the, the biggest fan of monsters in the world. Of course he's going to be like, yeah, turn me into a big, badass monster. <laughs> Because thinking about it like consciously now, like I would choose to die because I like my soul. But like if I was turned into a vampire, then I'd probably be fine. Like I'd have a complete personality change. I wouldn't care anymore. But like as a person with the soul, I would like to keep my soul. So I guess I would rather just die. <laughs> like, Yeah, I think I'm not as prepared to be a vampire. I don't have like a castle or a cave set up. I feel like I wouldn't last long as a vampire. So I'll see ya. That's, now, that's, what if, now what if we got you an investment profile before you got staked and we got you a real nice <laughs> investment profile, Mike, with some stocks, some bonds. This is the interview with the vampire problem. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that book, but like, you know, Lestat has- Have to you heard of that book? Lestat has to kill Louis because he doesn't know how to handle investments, you know? <laughs> you inevitably- Wait, is that the a, movie with- Yeah, it's based on- Is a that book the movie with Mike. Brad Pitt and Kristen Dunst? Yes, mm -hmm. and Antonio Banderas. Okay. Yeah, but Lestat has to kill Louis because he doesn't know how to manage his estates or make money or anything as a vampire and he spends too much. So that's like, oh, that makes sense. You need an investor <laughs> to stick around <laughs> to help you out. Uh, yeah, so maybe if we can arrange a situation because Spike is clearly the profligate guy is going to get, like he's 
he's irrational. Like you need a, and the harmony's not helpful. Like you need somebody like kind of who can handle their investments and it's not me. So I'm, I feel like I'm not going to be very helpful <laughs> in this. But like you would think Willow would be like a good person to turn into a vampire because yeah. she'd still be organized and stuff. But it turns out Vamp Willow is like way different. So it's hard to predict with these things, right? <clears throat> but also, but it'd be cool if, you know, Vamp, you know, you turn Willow now and then what if she was like some Vamp Willow witch? I think that'd be really cool. I don't know if you could be a, wi- a vampire and a witch. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, because that would be, that'd be insane. Yeah. Why not double up, start doubling up on powers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the Vamp Slayer thing, of course, is like the most obvious one. But What about you, John? Uh, I mean, I don't want to kill people. Just kill me. It's fine. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> John, you can eat rats. Yeah. Yeah, I guess true. If I, rats, if I, if I was a vampire, I wouldn't care. Just go to the butcher shop. Yeah. I, I, yeah, if somebody offered me to be like a tortured, soulful vampire, like, like an angel situation, yeah, I'd probably go for that. Oh, you got offered the angel situation? Yeah, if somebody <laughs> got me the angel situation, I would, I would go for that. I don't think I'd go for regular vampire because I don't want to be evil. I want to be a good person. I think uh, one time, John, you told me you were, we were talking about Buffy, and you were like. If I was ever biting somebody and they tried to fight me, I'd immediately run away because you never know if they're the slayer or not. So I just <laughs> I imagine <laughs> like attacking a lot of people and then getting scared off and like bolting. That is how it would definitely be as a vampire. <laughs> I really don't have that many qualms of you actually being turned into a vampire, John, now that I think about it. I think I think the world would still be pretty darn safe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And one of the fanfics we've done is like Spike is stuck in a manor house. Um, he's just stuck, but it's like stays pretty uninhabited for like a hundred years. So he survives off the of rats. And then when a family moves in, he becomes friends with the daughter. So he doesn't actually eat any of them. Like, would that be you as a vampire? I think, I think, yeah, something like that. I think I would end up like trying to figure out if I could get blood on Amazon Prime. I think that would be the main <laughs> You probably can, though. Probably can now, yeah. If you can get blood on Prime, I'm in. All right? That's, 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 that's the bellwether. Any legal streamings. Um, <laughs> what, what was your choice? Oh, I would choose to be a vampire and just hope that, like, there could be a Jenny Calendar situation where they can get my soul back for me. You can just live forever with superpowers and have my soul again. It'd be great. <laughs> but like see here's the thing i don't want you to become a vampire because i feel like if you do you're gonna come after me pretty quickly uh yeah <laughs> so get your orb ready because isn't that the thing isn't that the thing the vampire starts either killing or turning like whoever they were close to yeah yeah that's yeah. like um that's it, black sabbath that's the the thing that the horse carlock vampire does and that, it's definitely the buffy thing yeah yeah, yeah, so don't just become a vampire. <laughs> I'm coming for you first, Quincy. <laughs> See, so don't just become a vampire. <laughs> listen, listen, Quincy, as long as you don't like work at a public library or you know, work, work at like a, a, somewhere where you know someone can just walk in, any, any old vampire can walk in, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. My job right now, you need a key card. I'm safe. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I totally vamp it up. You know, roll the dice on that. Why not? The world's already going to end. <laughs> I mean, the world is going to end in my lifetime. So I was. The world is a vampire, so I might as well be yeah. a vampire. Yeah. I guess the last question is mine. Like, we already discussed the word Teutonic, but how do you guys feel about the word peculiar after this episode? I just wish Cordelia was on this episode so she could turn to Riley and yell at him and say, get a new word. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mike, who would you pick to be a recurring character on the show? Um, Harmony um, or Anya at this point? Like, we've gotten kind of these two characters post-high school. Both have been on the show, you know, a few episodes, you know, season four. Do I have to pick one of the two? Those are both great to, to, be, to get more screen time. To get more screen time. Uh, I feel like I like Anya more. I think Anya's more interesting right now. Yeah. Okay. I think Harmony is like a, a much more stronger presence on the screen. Like she, her story is so just so much crazier. But yeah, I'm, definitely. I'm, but if the culmination of the Harmony weirdness is like a slow motion strange fight, then like I would prefer Anya <laughs> because Anya is like uh, sexually tormenting Xander and like forcing him into strange circumstances, and also is this demon whose powers have not yet been revealed. So I feel like Anya has like way more interesting stuff going on than Harmony, who is a joy. I love when Harmony's on, but uh, I feel like Anya's got more going on. This is why you gotta stay mysterious, I guess. You know, keep people are like, yeah. Keep that mystery. Uh, speaking of Harmony, uh, why don't we move to recommendations? Recommendations. I'm going to recommend Adam's Family Values just because Harmony's so good in this episode. I was going to say this for later, but like she's so good in the little scene screen she has. And Mercedes McNabb doesn't have this like really long film career, but she's uh, the uh, antagonist to Christina Ricci's Wednesday and Adam's, Adam's Family Values, and their scenes are really great together. So I'm going to recommend that. Um, and like military and monsters is like a um, kind of a subgenre that there's a lot of stuff there, but I'm going to save a bunch of it for later. So I'll just, um, I will drop like one good mix of military monsters. It's Hellboy with the BPRD. Um, and I'm also going to recommend, even though it doesn't really have monsters, the invisible boy, just cause I feel like that's like when it, you've seen the invisible boy, John. Yes, I have. It's a really good movie. I'm trying to figure out what the connection is to this episode. I just feel like there's that, that kind of 1950s, like scientists, thing going on that the initiative kind of reminds me of yeah so okay. it's not like a really strong like one-to-one -one connection but right. like the way that like the lab coat and pipe aesthetic the like yeah yeah that made me think of the invisible boy and obviously there's going to be a lot more monsters and military to come but um those are my three wrecks for this episode very good uh yeah the invisible boy is really good it's uh robbie the robot's second appearance and they basically wrote this really long plot for him because the Robbie the Robot costume was hanging around the lot and they're like, we spent so much money on it for uh, <laughs> Forbidden Planet and you need to put it in this movie. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's a fun movie. The kid turns invisible and the parents just don't care. <laughs> it's so hard yeah. to impress a scientist. There's, a, there's like a giant supercomputer, right? Yeah. And like uh, he flies around in like an invisible plane or something. It's weird the movie. It's a weird one. Like um, childhood fantasy movie. Uh, so why don't we move to predictions?
Virgin Predictions. I'm sure Yay. we got a lot to talk about. We got a little bit to talk about here. Okay, so first of all, uh, uh, for predictions, uh, Mike is currently at a 63%, uh, meaning that 63% of his predictions uh, have come true, whereas the other, uh, whatever that is, uh, 39% have not, or 38% have not. So, 37%, sorry. I can't. Way to math there. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so... Um, predictions that were uh, resolved in this episode. So a couple of things here. First of all, Mike predicted in season one, episode 11, Buffy will be involved with the U.S. government at some point. The show Buffy mm-hmm. is involved with the government at this point. Is Buffy involved with the government? Not yet. Okay. All right. So we're going to leave that one alone. Okay. This one is something Dennis pointed out, and I'm really glad you did, Dennis. I don't think you knew there was a prediction about this, but... In season three, episode nine, Mike predicted that the Cthulhu demon from The Wish will not reappear. We all noticed this is one of the best, like, costume monsters in all of Buffy, but it's only in one scene for some reason. And Mike predicted it'll never come back. But then uh, I predict to refer everybody on the document to uh, exhibit A (laughs) bottom. Um, Here's the question, guys. Is this the same monster? Uh, I think it is. I know we oh, don't yeah, see his face, but, but yeah, you don't see the face. It definitely is. The only thing that gives me pause is that the monster on the left from the Wish clearly has webbed uh, hands, and the one on the right, I don't think does. Wow, dude! I'm no, gonna I feel like I'm a little bit more verification. I like I don't see the face. I don't know how you identify this? Well, if you look at his like ribs. You could, those are definitely the same. Yeah. If you look at like his upper shoulder plate thing, that looks the same. He's got like spurs coming off of his wrists that look the same. Uh, they're pretty Human similar. Hands over here, yeah. <laughs> I say it is. To me. And because like, if you go into this corner um, by the guy with the IV, you see like the end of a tentacle. Like I totally feel like that's the same thing. Oh, oh, good call. I see that. We need to make that the, uh, we'll put a red circle around that and that'll be the thumbnail on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I think we need to put this one to a vote. Uh, really quickly, uh, Travis, what do you say? Is this uh, prediction denied? Yeah, that, that's definitely the Cthulhu demon. Okay. Travis says it's the same, it's the same demon. Dennis, you say it's the same demon? Mm-hmm. Quincy? Yeah, I totally think that's the same one. Yeah, okay. Okay, and Jenny? Same. Yeah, okay, same. that is a denied <laughs> prediction. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> I honestly thought for sure that that demon was not going to reappear, but uh, thanks to Dennis' eyes. <laughs> 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 well, my eyes are drawn to monsters. I believe that is all of the old predictions that we have to handle in this episode. Um, all right, uh, new predictions, Mike? Yeah, so Professor Walsh, isn't going to lecture about monsters even though she has all this knowledge she will not be lecturing about them like in uh, class or yeah could well, she lecture in the initiative or i don't mean like standing in front of a group of troops and telling them about monsters i mean <laughs> in the classroom <laughs> okay um professor walsh is going to get killed this season uh riley is going to take over the can i just call it the initiative sure um, the initiative is not going to capture a werewolf. <laughs> Specific? Well, I mean, 
they can barely capture a vampire. Are <laughs> <laughs> werewolves harder? Uh, yeah, also they're done for this season, so I don't feel like they're going to... No more werewolves. Oh, do you want to say that? No more werewolves in season no, four? No, I mean, werewolves... Oz still has an opportunity to come back and be heroic, you know, so... Okay. Yeah, you have Oz predictions from last episode. Though. Yeah, I think Oz yeah. is going to show up and do something heroic this season, but, like, I don't... Do I have this right? I don't remember this. You predicted uh, in the last episode, Mike, that Oz will save Willow in a platonic way, and also Oz will save Willow in a non-platonic way. I have both those things. Oh, shoot. I meant just platonic. I didn't mean to confuse you. He's not going to save her and then, like, go for a kiss. He will just save her and be Oz. Got it. Okay. Romantic save. All right. So that, uh, having handled predictions for this episode, that leaves Mike at a 62.6. So your, your numbers have fallen, but only just. Uh-oh. Uh, we keep waiting for Mike to um, cross over the line of 60% where he will be failing. <laughs> it's <enough. laughs> I love these predictions. <laughs> Wait, if he fails, does the show win? Like, <laughs> the show uh, I think I, I win. <laughs> I get to make fun of him. <laughs> but I suppose I get to do that no matter what. Yeah, you don't need a special <laughs> spreadsheet to make fun of me. Uh, if you uh, want to play the home game, the uh, spreadsheet of all of my predictions is available at BuffyVirgin.com. All right, uh, while you're doing that, let's move on to themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. It looks like uh, Jenny's got the first one. Yeah, so uh, this, for Willow specifically, dealing with the very painful feelings of broke up, especially for her, it's her first love. And that carries through through the entire episode. Um, Yeah, painful. (laughs) But I feel like uh, Buffy talks a good game about being a good friend to her but like we don't really see it she's a lot like willow's alone a lot ditched her Um, at that party (laughs) yeah like i don't i mean buffy at the beginning is like i've been on like friend duty you know but like we haven't really seen her actually put in the time to help comfort her friend yeah yeah how are you gonna be on friend duty at a party like i don't feel like that's necessarily Willow even wanted to go with that. Yeah, it's weird, right? Okay. It's like Buffy's trying to take Willow to a party, but we're all following it from like this weird Willow Riley thing. Yeah. It's not yeah. really about Willow. Yeah, like this entire episode isn't about Willow. Even though it's even like, the Willow Spike scene is about Spike. Like Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda interesting. Like her pain isn't getting like the front story, I guess. I got that but, great reaction from Professor Walsh, right? <laughs> yeah, that is true. But I do, I do think that Allison Hannigan's portrayal of that pain is like very real. Yeah. She's doing like a very good job at that. All right, let's move on to the next question, the next mm-hmm. theme then. Okay, because this tripped me out because this feeling was the first part I ever really like thought of it that way because. In the past episode of Sunnydale Fanfic, we talked about Giles has literally nothing to do. But mm-hmm. this is the first episode where, like, Xander also has nothing to do, and they're trying to solve that by just hanging out and, like, preparing for not being needed, I guess. 
like even the quote that I chose from the beginning, Xander suggesting like like they raised a demon, so they have something to do. Like I don't know, because I just focused on watching that when I watched the episode for my notes, and I was just like, wow, this is very depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think like like one thing Giles seemed to want at the beginning of the season was if Buffy is no longer like working with the Watchers Council, like she graduated, right? They make that like, I think of that graduation comparison, like she shouldn't be going to him for advice all the time anymore, right? Like she's like, that's what, as the like father figure, what you want is like for people to like move past you, right? But they're all having growing pains. Like Giles is now trying to hang out with them as friends and it's weird. Yeah, but like, I don't know, I guess it's just trying to adjust to the whole thing with like them all being in college and Xander isn't, and them all being young and Giles just trying to figure out how to be just friends or whatever. Like, it was just Dad. a very weird thing of like Xander and Giles preparing for nothing. Giles <laughs> yeah. and Xander are dealing with their own breakup from the group. They're like, uh, <laughs> what do we what do, do we now? Do now? <laughs> where do we go from here they're completely yeah. useless yeah and they're not even good yet like doing the thing that they're doing right the preparation stuff right like they're yeah i mean i guess that's the uselessness but like they're preparing these military weapons and stuff and like xander doesn't remember how to do it giles sort of knows what he's doing yeah gosh <laughs> really yeah good good read on that that's that's totally a, a deep theme because that was going on in wild at heart also the episode just before this one where you know, Giles is trying to like hang out at the bronze and like he doesn't really belong there. And it's super obvious. John, I feel like you're accusing us of something here at this next one. <laughs> I, I am. Uh, I don't, I probably shouldn't speak for anybody but myself. I do feel like there's this thing. So there's the, this, I, the scene early on where you've got uh, Riley being like, I just, you know, she's a person. I like her for being a person, even though I don't know anything about her. And then you've got, uh, and then you got Forrest being like, but she's hot. Let's talk about how she's super hot and you're going to have sex with her. Um, I feel like there's a, this is a trope in the way that dude friendships are portrayed. And I'm thinking about like specifically like Kevin Smith movies where there's like protagonist who's like, I'm the sensitive guy. And then there's always got a wacky best friend with like a backwards baseball hat who's going to like, you know, talk about, you know, penises and boobs or whatever. And I, I think that, as a dude, for me anyway, I've always like inside of my own self, it felt like, oh, I'm the sensitive guy. I'm the protagonist character. <laughs> all my friends are the wacky foul mouth ones. I think Fuck if I'm honest, have. I think if I'm honest, I equally play the other role, or at least I have at different times played the other role. You know, it's just a, it's a, it's really a perspective thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yes, John, you're correct. Yes. <laughs> I, I think what makes this all so weird is that we all felt like we were the sensitive protagonist one. That, that, that's why we're such a weird group. Doesn't everybody feel that way, though? That, I think that's my question. Are we yeah. all, we're all Riley, so. right? We all think of ourselves as Riley, but really we're also Forrest sometimes. I think we're more, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm either of those. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, thank God. I think as adults, I'm, I'm more Jonathan than anything else, which is ironic. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan's John, definitely Jonathan on the podcast. <laughs> I'm more Jonathan, apparently. Jonathan drinking a big gulp is who I am. 
It's definitely a trope, Mike. You're saying something about this trope. I don't know. Has it? Has this? It feels like this is this trope is going away in modern TV. Or modern TV basically has much better things to talk about than to have this recur. But it's definitely like an 80s I trope mean, as well. Like it, it, this is a hardcore John Hughes. Right. Are you teen wolf or are you shades? Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is a hardcore John like, Yeah. Is it, is it, I don't know. Like I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about The Office because I just watched it through for the first time. But it kind of seems like if we're going through the Riley and Forrest dynamic, everyone on the show is a Forrest, except Jim can be a Riley, except he actually has a personality, so he's not a Riley. But like, it kind of seems they're just like acknowledging that all guys have both. And yeah. Also, Michael Scott is a creep. <laughs> all of them are creeps. Yeah, if anyone. The Office was a very good show. Yeah, I don't like when people say Michael Scott's a good boss, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to get fired so many times. Like, get fired for that Willy Wonka stunt with the golden ticket. <laughs> I think the thing people are like all the bosses after Michael Scott are like so much worse that people like reflect back wistfully on Michael Scott. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because yeah. Andy was actually like actually the worst. Like uh, yeah, he built out. Andy's such a garbage human being. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really like what John says about the troped character here. The sensitive guy that likes a girl for no reason except she's hot, but claims there's other reasons, doesn't know anything about her. You know, Riley goes the one step to find out, oh, what she like? Cheese? Great. Oh, that's enough for us to relate on. You know, like, that sensitive <laughs> character is totally, like, the thing, the clay with which all John Hughes films were ever made. And, like, it is a it is a broken character because it leads guys to think that like this kind of stalker behavior is okay because these guys that like from afar and like without knowing or like without a relationship, like that's okay. Right. And it's like so much creepy dude behavior is buried in that Riley forest relationship, which is like right. about how you feel about girls. And then like, I'm having this sensitive emotional relationship with this person I'm not talking to. Right. And like, I feel right. like you think that it is that, but because you're not communicating with that person, it's not. It's literally not a relationship. And it's this weird thing that movies created this character that like guys identify with and want to. And it's like, it's a totally unhealthy character. It's very John Cusack. Yeah, the John Cusack character. It's a, it's that's a John like, Cusack character, the sensitive good guy who, who the movie shows you, or the movie tries to paint as a, good, as a good person, but really just like follows somebody around a lot. Um, <laughs> like harasses them at night sometimes, uh, you know, inexplicably. Yeah, it's a, there's it sounds a like we're talking about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it the the, the story kind of tells you those like, oh, you could get girls to like you if you just pay them any attention at all. Like you you can get a relationship started by paying attention to someone, and like that is true, but not that you shouldn't do it this <laughs> this terrible way. <laughs> but like the programming, the cultural programming is there, and I don't know why it's so rampant. Maybe it's gone. I mean, I can't think of a modern romantic comedy to like set an archetypal character for how young people today are like, oh, that's what romance looks like. So in a way, we kind of, we, we almost, we need Forrest in order to sell the idea that Riley's a good guy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think that's, that's really, that's a good point. Because otherwise he's a creep. Yeah, yeah. He's only not a creep because the other guy's with so much, it's just a, just a worse. Yeah. <laughs> 
Graham was just nice standing there in the background. <laughs> Graham's got his weird Canada baggage. We don't know. He's got. There's a story there. <laughs> Canada and milk. Yeah. <laughs> and also, that guy's neck is enormous. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's huge. Uh, let's start talking about erectile dysfunction. <laughs> yeah, another deep emotional problem in this uh, story. Well, it just it's so funny that this whole scene with Spike and Willow about him eating her or, you know, sucking her blood, you know, through the series, it's kind of like rape. Um, they kind of play it off that way. or But um, the erectile dysfunction where they go into it a little bit further <laughs> and it's like, oh, we'll try again later. Oh, it's my fault, huh? You can't do it because of me. Like, I just, I thought that whole scene was so funny. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> the the kind of whole vampire thing playing it off like, in a sexual way, kind of carries through from the beginning until here. Yeah. And it's not just Buffy. It's like, that's like the vampire mythos, right? Is like built around this, like the sexual desires, right? Yeah. It's a very uh, sexual experience. <laughs> so to kind of play it, to turn it on its head and be like, what's the, when it doesn't function, does anyone else have anything to add to that? Well, yeah, this obviously is another one where Travis gets disillusioned after watching Buffy <laughs> in the year 2018. But yeah, I mean, it just, it's just so sad. They, I mean, it, it was like pretty clearly this, this kind of catastrophic rape scene in college, you know, with, with uh, Spike on top of Willow holding her neck. I mean, it was just, it was just awful. And then, you know, t- two minutes later, it's like, haha, that's so, that, you know, let's make some, crack some jokes. I don't know, just, just kind of real, real downer note for me, <laughs> thematically. Yeah. Plus, like, for the um, active shooter part, it's a trip because Buffy says they explain it as a frat prank. And it's like, I feel like you shouldn't have gone with that, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the time that, you know, this aired, the issues were a lot different, too, and it affects us now a lot more, especially with, like, the shootings and, uh, college rape specifically gets more attention now than it did back probably when this episode aired. So looking at it now is probably like a way different lens than when it aired. Cause these things weren't, well, I guess the shootings definitely, but a different, a different lens at the time. Yeah, but, well, it yeah. doesn't, but it's not a, it's not a rape and it's not a school shooting. It's just like the frame, the framing of a rape, the framing of a shooting. They would never do that now. Right. It's just like the, yeah. Yeah, the episode wants to like it, it wants to bring up some of this stuff, deploy it, and then really for the joke, for the tonal shit, right? I'll I'll defend not I'm not gonna defend like a rape joke or whatever, but I am gonna say that just because things are tragic doesn't mean like you can't find humor in the tragedy. Like yeah. uh this episode like maybe this doesn't this doesn't work in this scene, but like, I just think in general, when you're ha- like tragedy, isn't devoid of humor, like sad, the saddest days of people's lives, they still laugh during. Um, so those like, I don't know how, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say. I just think like, like just because you're bringing up something like intense and real doesn't mean you can't still have find the find like moments of levity in it. 
because nobody's life is like totally dramatic right um like i don't know i'm i'm pro finding humor in things even though like i don't know i've had tragedies in my life and i definitely laughed during them right that's sometimes your reaction to sad news um you just got to figure out the way to do it i guess mm-hmm. yeah well i mean they want a fun way to show this weird implant working so they have a plan for spike a neutered spike in the show and like this is the you know i guess if there's a rumor about willow dying like yeah sending spike after a beloved character and then getting a he's gonna get her except for this one weakness that you don't even know he has yet and then playing it off i mean in a that that's an appropriate funny way because he doesn't know what it even is um i don't know it's it is funny i'm not saying no one's everyone's like enjoying the scene it's just it's super weird and like not not maybe how any of us would write that scene or like how you would think about presenting a scene where like you want to show spike's weakness <laughs> have him uh, have him uh, play rape willow <laughs> rape kill willow <laughs> um i would have to go over i would have him go up for buffy but i guess willow is an easier target so <laughs> all right well uh this has been a fun episode <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been your host, Dennis A. John. You can find my comics online, D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X on Twitter. That's my .com also. Um, uh, Jenny and uh, Quincy, um, where can we find your podcast and other such things? Yeah, so we have a website, thesunnydalefanfitclub.com. We also have uh, Facebook, Twitter, and a Tumblr, all with the Sunnydale Fanfit Club handle uh and yeah that's where you can find us and we're on itunes and google play nice nice (laughs) all right well uh mike what are you up to just at michael poli on twitter don't worry about that we'll see you in hell